In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our opening prayer. God of might, giver of every good gift, pour into our hearts the love of your name, so that by deepening our sense of reverence, you may nurture in us what is good, and by your watchful care, keep safe what you have nurtured. The readings today scream for us to begin to understand God. We can't tolerate being duped. You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. Do not conform yourselves to this age, St. Paul says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. And our Lord's sharp words to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Bade retro satana. You are an obstacle to me. You are not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. What a glory it is to know that God wants us not only to obey Him with servile fear at first, if that's what it takes, but eventually with filial fear, with loving, reverential fear. He wants us to understand Him. Because what He does really makes sense. Might not initially, but it will. To to be able to enter into the mind of Christ, he enabled the apostles to convey to us what he taught them, the deposit of faith. And so then to to think with the mind of the church, as St. Ignatius said, sentire cum ecclesia. He might not have coined the term, but he made it popular. Is not just to agree... And it's simply not merely to feel. Sentire cum ecclesia means to observe and to judge and to agree. Sentio cum aliquo means to agree with someone. And it's in the back of the spiritual exercises that he has his rules for thinking with the mind of the church, although that's what we call them. What he entitled them in Spanish, of course, is to have the true sentiment which we ought to have in the church militant. It's at the very back of the book. I'll summarize them in a second. But at the very beginning of the spiritual exercises, he gets to the heart of the matter, what this is all about. Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. And the other things on the face of the earth are created for man, and that they may help him in prosecuting the end for which he is created. From this it follows that man is to use them as much as they help him on to this end, and not to rid himself of them so far as they hinder himself as to it. For this it is necessary to make ourselves indifferent to all created things and all that is allowed to the choice of our free will and is not prohibited to it. 
Getting to the heart of the issue means getting, we can also call that getting to the crux of the issue. When the young men who are svelte, like I used to be, go rock climbing, there's a very uh, technical term for the hardest point of the rock climb. And it's the technical designation for that move that gives the entire rock climb its grade, whether it be a 5.5 or a 5.10 or a 5.11. The difficulty for the climb is determined by the difficulty of the most challenging move, the crux of the climb. But when we speak of truth... And getting to the crux of an issue, we mean getting to the heart of it. The essence of it. Whether it be in matters of of wisdom and philosophy or theology or religion or the faith. We all have this sense if someone either gets it or they don't get it. They might know a few things, but they don't get it yet. They haven't gotten to the crux of it. Well, St. Ignatius, whose feast day we celebrated not too long ago, gets to the crux of it. Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord. St. Peter stumbled upon the crux of it. Crux is the Latin word for cross. And later on in St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he explains, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. To understand God, to be able to follow Him, cannot avoid the cross. Following Him is even called taking up your cross every day. Among some believers, there's this idea that the the crucifix shouldn't be so visible. Or even that the crucifixion maybe didn't even happen. These are people who deny how much God really loves us. That God is willing to be humiliated like that. That God is willing to be killed. And when we understand that, we understand what it means for us to take up up our cross and to follow in his footsteps. The proof of truth isn't mere power or persuasiveness. The proof of the truth that comes from God is a willingness to love completely. To love others, to be able to disagree with them. To correct them. If, we don't, if we're not willing to correct someone, we don't love them. Yet knowing how not to 
quench the smoldering wick, how to encourage, how to coach. With summer almost over, it's a good time to get the cobwebs out and maybe read a book. Read a book by a saint. Read a book written by a doctor of the church. And in the same way that we prayed at the beginning of Mass, for God to foster this spirit of reverence in us and to safeguard what he's fostered. We see in the rules for thinking with the mind of the church of St. Ignatius, some of what God has provided us to safeguard this way of life, this understanding of God. To be prompt to obey the church, to apprise the value of confession and receiving Holy Communion and hearing Mass, to praise religious life and virginity, consecrated virginity, to venerate the saints, the relics of the saints, the images of saints, to praise fasting and abstinence and the observances on Lent and Ember Days and vigils and Fridays. To praise the ornamentation of churches and sacred images and to venerate them. To praise all the precepts of the church and keeping in the mind prompt to find reasons in their defense, not against them. To praise positive and scholastic learning, especially the teachings of St. Jerome and St. Augustine and St. Gregory and St. Thomas and St. Bonaventure. And to be very careful in comparing the living with the canonized. I think some people were praising him excessively. That's where that rule came from. The 13th rule. To be right in everything, we ought always to hold that the white which I see is black if the hierarchical church so decides it, believing that between Christ our Lord, the bridegroom, and the church is bride, There is the same spirit which governs and directs us for the salvation of our souls. He cautions us from being too presumptuous in matters of of dispute about predestination and grace and faith. And then advises us in the last rule. Although serving God our Lord much out of pure love is to be esteemed above all, we ought to praise much the fear of His divine majesty, because not only filial fear is a thing pious and most holy, but even servile fear, when the man reaches nothing else better or more useful, helps much to get out of mortal sin. And when he is out, then he comes easily to filial fear, which is all acceptable and grateful to God our Lord as being at one with the divine love. We pray then at this altar that the Lord help us to understand his cross, to love his cross, and to proclaim his cross. To be confident because we know it shows how much he loves us. To be confident because he's powerful in having conquered death and rising from the dead. To be confident in everything that he's taught us definitively through his church. And to be humble in knowing that even though we know some things, there are still things for us to learn. And to be grateful that he not only wants to be obeyed, he wants to be understood.
And so we pray again, as we did at the beginning of Holy Mass. God of might, giver of every good gift, pour into our hearts the love of your name, so that by deepening our sense of reverence, you may nurture in us what is good, and by your watchful care keep safe what you have nurtured. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.